If you've been told to pull up your socks, then make sure it's a pair of TNT socks. The TNT shop is now open at tntradio.live. Conversations about what matters the most. This is State of the Nation on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. All right, well, welcome. State of the Nation, it is time for hour number two. I am Steve Hook, broadcasting live from the Central Jersey Shore. And there's Brian McLean, also known as Hesher. He's in Central Texas. Well, Hesh, that was a uh, an interesting first hour. And you can tell that Ken, uh, he's still got some fight in him, man. I'm, you know, his guys backed out. But uh, I don't know. I'm wondering how involved uh, uh, DeSantis is going to get in this campaign. We've already seen... Tim Scott jump on the Trump train and uh, 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 Doug Bergram jumped on it and he's campaigning with him. Now I'm wondering if we're going to see Ron DeSantis help out, or I wonder if it's just uh, a little bit too much of a bitter pill for him to swallow. No, Steve. I mean, um, I'm, I'm pretty open-minded about these things and I'm well aware that narratives are very, very important. Now, I have no inside information. I'm not looking to insult anybody or anything like that. But I mean, just as an American watching politics go by, I honestly would not be surprised if Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump had a meeting before he got tagged Ron DeSanctimonious and there was some like, hey, you know, uh, maybe it would be good if we had some back and forth. You know, I'm, I'm just throwing that out there. I don't know anything. I'd like to <laughs> war game and, you know, maybe there's a factor there. I mean, there could be a there there, but even if not, your question remains, what's that going to look like moving forward? What's it going to look like to have... Uh, Ron DeSantis back as a uh, full-time governor, you know, Flor- many Floridians are probably pretty happy right now. So, okay, let's, let's get back to work over here and, you know, yeah. keep doing what we were doing and we can look forward to 2028, you know, if we don't have a uh, cyber polygon apocalypse like the Obamas would like to see. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that's one thing when Ken said, well, you know, I wish it was 2024 that we were talking about, but maybe 2028 it would be good to see a solid 12 years, get four more years out of Trump, let him Trump it up. And he's going to do, you know, he'd be a good, his policy wise. I don't think many people except for the far left can argue with what Trump did. Certainly the right would rally behind that. And then it might be a great launch pad for DeSantis on his next time around. And if anybody can get over being called the sanctimonious, I would think he could, after all, one of uh, Trump's biggest supporters now is Senator Ted Cruz, and he was lying Ted just four years ago. So we'll have to wait and see how that plays out. Listen, uh, we're going to bring on Peter Roth here in just a minute, but I wanted to just run this by you, Hesh. The House January 6th committee, maybe you've seen this, deleted more than 100 encrypted files uh, days before the GOP took majority of the House and it looks as if they were trying to hide something. Gee, I wonder what that could be. Former House Select Committee on January 6th uh, deleted more than 100 encrypted files from its probe just days before Republican took over the majority. The House Administration Committee's Oversight Subcommittee is leading an investigation into the J6 uh, committee that was chaired, uh, of course, by uh, Bernie Thompson. Well, now it's chaired by Barry Loudermilk from Georgia, and they're investigating the security failures and all that. Uh, Benny Thompson, I said, I said Benny Johnson, I think Benny Thompson, uh, sources familiar with Loudermilk's investigation, told Fox News Digital 
uh, per House rules, that the former select committee, which was chaired by Representative Benny Thompson, was required to turn over all documents from its investigation uh, to the new GOP-led panel. Uh, They turned over all of them. He said, you're going to get all of them. And then they discovered over 100 were deleted. And in some cases, they were deleted and encrypted. Uh, now, the good news is all those deleted files have been recovered, and now Loudermilk is saying, we want the passwords. We want to get in here and see. What do you think they're hiding now? They're they're hiding the exculpatory evidence quite clearly. Yeah. I mean, and they're 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 running they're hiding exculpatory evidence for people that are sitting in the DC gulags, and they're running cover for those that put them there. You know, AKA themselves. So I mean, it's it's pretty shocking. Um, hundred and seventeen files. I'm assuming a large number of those were uh, multimedia and video files, Steve. That's that's the most uh, exculpatory stuff you can possibly have is those cell phone footage videos, those, uh, you know, security camera videos, those body camera videos from Capitol Police. I would if I had to guess what the content of those files were, I'd say a lot of them were that kind of video stuff. And I would guess yep. there's also some um, in, uh, some forensic analysis going on in there, a bit of documentation talking about certain vignettes and scenarios that happened there um, being analyzed by uh, law enforcement. And I would think that a lot of those types of um, documentations and videos would be exculpatory evidence or at least the kind of evidence that would provide a shadow of a doubt to the mainstream narrative on this topic. I agree. And I also think that you probably got some CYA stuff in there too, concerning the handling of the security on that day, i.e. Pelosi's handling of that security. We know what former Capitol Police Chief Stephen Sund has said, or uh, what is it? Is that it? Stephen Sund? I think that's his name. He came out and basically said, look, we told him we needed more help. So it's going to be very interesting. And hopefully the forensics uh, will uh, will show us the way. We'll see what happens and we'll keep you updated as that story progresses. Hey, do you have an upcoming community event, maybe a rally, a march, or a festival fundraiser of some kind? You want some help with free publicity? We're your guy, man. TNT wants to promote it for you. All you have to do is visit the What's on Events calendar on the TNT website, submit all your event details, and we'll get the word out right here on today's News Talk. There's a lot going on, so it's important to stay informed and up to date. Get ready, because here we go. At the top, 30 minutes past and when it breaks. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're about to find out. We are back on State of the Nation, and we're very happy to welcome back to the program Peter Roth. Peter, of course, works with that. Well, he's written for just about everybody. Find a lot of his work on Newsweek.com as well as The Daily Caller. As the uh, postmortem on the DeSantis campaign continues to kind of unwind, we're going to look ahead and see what it means for the general election coming up in November. Here's a big hint. Trump is going to be the nominee. We welcome back to the show the aforementioned Peter Roth. Peter, welcome back to State of the Nation. Let me ask you, how does the DeSantis endorsement of Trump help him, or does it help him? Uh, Because it's all but certain he's going to win anyway. But is this a way of kind of letting Nikki Haley know, hey, Nikki, it's time for you to bag out? Are we looking at the last night of the Nikki Haley campaign tonight? Uh, probably. Uh, I, I expect that, that Trump is going to win New Hampshire. Uh, caveat, of course, is that independents can vote in the New Hampshire primary if they pull a Republican ballot. Democrats can vote in the New Hampshire primary if they change their registration prior to October 3rd. And 
the Democrats knew prior to October 3rd that Joe Biden wasn't going to be on the ballot. So they had nothing to do except make mischief. But yes, I think Trump's going to win New Hampshire. I think that 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 it's over, that it's done. And it's in the best interests of everybody who thinks that Trump is going to be a hard win rather than an easy win to get Nikki Haley out of the race now so that Trump can begin to campaign completely against Joe Biden so that the Republicans can present a united front against Joe Biden, against Bidenomics, against Bidenflation, against Bidenism, against everything that he has done to this country in three years. Yeah, yeah. So um, what happens if that doesn't happen? Is there a, a scenario you envision where Nikki Haley doesn't back out and we see the GOP uh, still sort of versus Trump for a while? Or do you think this is solid? Um, yeah, there's a sure there's a scenario where she doesn't back out. You know, she's she's got she's got some some hedge fund guys, some Wall Streeters, some one percenters who are willing to put, uh, not all of whom are Republicans, by the way, who are willing to keep putting money into her campaign for, for as long as it takes. And if, you know, if she wants to be Pat Buchanan to Trump's George Herbert Walker Bush, um, you know, if she wants to be, um, you know, Gary Hart to, to Trump's Walter Mondale, you know, just stay in there and and without really having a possibility of voting, just keep nipping it or he, nipping at his heels, so that the press can keep the campaign alive, so that the press can keep talking about the anti-Trump agenda within the Republican Party. Um, then, yeah, I mean, I do I do see that possibility. I, I think it's I think it's going to be a lot. It's a lot less hard to do um, if than than some people think it is. But that's not really what's in the Republican Party's highest, best interest. You know, Do Donald Trump's campaign is is populism versus elites. That's elites in the Democratic Party. That's elites in the Republican Party. And that's elites who call themselves independents because to belong to a political party is to is to show that you're closed minded and you're not a thinker, that you're not somebody who looks at the man and looks at or the woman and looks at the issues and that you just follow somebody else's lead. That's who he's running against. And those are the kinds of people that run most newspapers and run most television networks and run most cable systems and run most Internet um, news platforms. So that's who Trump is running against. He's not, you know, if 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 if, if it weren't for the anti-Trump echo chamber i don't think biden would have been elected president in 2020 yeah i i don't think yeah. biden yeah. beat donald trump i think the new york times and cnn beat donald trump well that would be in keeping with what uh what's his name the former head of cnn said if he wants a fight by god we're going to give him one uh and they certainly did uh, uh but let me ask you this peter because what you just the, the the folks that you just reeled off there the, the folks that uh, uh, that buy the ink for the New York Times the folks that run things over at Facebook and all of these uh, these social media accounts with, with the exception of possibly Elon Musk 
Um, it's, that's Nikki Haley's constituency right there, which is exactly why Nikki Haley will not be the nominee. It seems to me that if she is going right. to get, if she's going to get beaten in New Hampshire and even, all the funny, funny, uh, business aside, she's probably going to lose that race. I think that she would probably have to come within 10 points of it to even consider moving on to South Carolina. But therein is the next problem for Nikki Haley. She's going to get crushed in her own home state. Uh, I mean, so at what point does pride take over? And she just says, you know what? This isn't going to go. I'm bagging out and I'm getting on board the Trump train. Do you think that that's might happen tomorrow? Huh? Well, you know, I mean, first of all, you, you can't talk about 2024 without talking about 2028, because even if he wins, Donald Trump is a four year president. Can't run again. Um, and if Nikki Haley thinks that the best way to set herself up for a run in 2028 is to fly the flag of the old Republican Guard, however you want to define that, um, then Bush Ford. if you, if you want to call it, you know, Bush Ford, I mean, it certainly, that certainly wasn't her reputation to be fair. That certainly wasn't her reputation when she was the governor of South Carolina. Um, and, you know, she was very good on taxes and spending and limited government. You know, there, there was a lot of, you had a lot of good things to say about her. And there's frankly, there's not a lot of good things to say about Trump when it comes to spending. He's not, that's not a fight he seems interested in having. And that concerns me because that's something that we're going to have to come to grips with sooner rather than later and i'm hoping that trump is going to change his 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 positions that he's he's you know we, we, we got to be serious about getting this debt down if there's anybody that understands how you can you can get crushed by a mountain of debt it's donald j trump and you know haley was good on those issues and she was good on trump foreign policy when she was his u.n ambassador um now she's sort of been co-opted co-opted by the neocons and the permanent war party. Um, but if she wants to set herself up for 2028 and get a get an edge on anybody else who might be thinking about running in four years, including Ron DeSantis, then staying in the race, even though it's hopeless, building a national organization, building contacts in each state, developing relationships with funders, um, developing her own sort of Haleyism, her own ideology, her own wing of the Republican Party, um, then it may be good for her to stay in the race. So it's not a question of pride. You know, the, you know she can lose with her head held high because she's thinking long term. Yeah, yeah. Well, Peter, we're just about out of time here, but I want to just build on what you're saying. I'll let you uh, take us out here. We got about a minute left. You know, you were pointing out that that Haley's getting, um, you know, donations from not just conservatives. And that brings to mind conversations we had last week about Reed Hoffman from LinkedIn. Look at Reed Hoffman. Look at where he's put his money before. All you got to do is do a quick web search on him and you'll see that he's a Council on Foreign Relations member. So to me, that kind of indicates that she could be uh, one of the golden selections, golden tickets for the military industrial complex 
party, if you will. Not that such a thing should exist, but it does. Um, any any thoughts on that? And then final thoughts. Well, yeah, sure. You know, there are there are as I said, if she wants to keep going, there are people who are opposed to Trump's populist agenda, who would be willing to cut big checks to keep her going through South Carolina and Super Tuesday and New York and California all the way to Milwaukee because, you know, they see this as a generational fight. They see this as an effort to stamp out a, a, and I I don't want to call it evil, but as a counterproductive, unhelpful strain of politics in America. There are a lot of people, and if you, you can check out the Committee to Unleash Prosperity survey last week, them versus us, them versus you.s, which looks at the attitudes of the 1% versus the attitudes of average Americans. It's up on their website. It's fascinating. And it points out that the people in the 1% are in favor of rationing things like meat and non-essential air travel and private air conditioning to fight climate change. And in fact, climate change is an elite issue. The people in the top, the elites, they're willing to spend whatever it takes to fight climate change. The rest of us, yeah, we're willing to spend more money, but not more than $100 a year. So even if the problem exists, we're not willing to spend more than $100 a year. And the elites want to redo the entire U.S. economy to handle the alleged problem of man-made climate change. Their ideas are out of sync. And so they see populism is a threat and they're committed to stopping. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, and I would reference what the heritage foundation president said in front of the world economic forum at Davos last week to underscore what you just said right there, Peter Roth, we're out of time. We always appreciate it when you can join us here at state of the nation. We'll look forward to your next visit. Always glad to be with you. All right, there he goes. Find Peter at Newsweek.com, DailyCaller.com, and AmericanLiberty.News. And here on State of the Nation at today's News Talk, TNT. TNT's Pervoy Morich. He details factually how Russia is rolling out the algorithm ghetto. Um, you know, the, the, the multipolar edition of the algorithm ghetto. A prototype of a traffic light that records traffic violations by a pedestrian at a crossing was tested in Moscow. So Russians now, they'll they'll have a, the government will take a snapshot of their face and then run that through the databases to figure out who is who and then find them, uh, I suppose. Uh, and then, you know, he, he points out that there are a lot of developments now. Moscow 2030, it's, it's, it's uh, they want to make uh, Moscow achieve smart city status uh and there's just you know you look at the white papers moscow and russia are all in on agenda 2030 smart cities algorithm ghetto digital ids pervoy morich on today's news talk tnt the lights is britain's far-right conspiracy theory paper spreading hate and vicious lies No, that's what the BBC say. The Light is the only national newspaper bringing you the real news and informed opinion on what's really going on today. 
you can subscribe, order copies, submit articles, and read back issues on our website, thelightpaper.co.uk, and see for yourself why the establishment are so worried about the uncensored truth getting out to people every month. They've launched a new service called Wake Up Your Neighbors, where you can get copies delivered to the streets right around you if you don't want to do it yourself. The Light Paper. Not for right, just right so far. Thelightpaper.co.uk the conversation continues. I don't believe it, and I think that's a terrible position that I am in, that I don't trust my government. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Now, just in case you're just tuning in, uh, when we opened this hour, my wonderful co-host here, Steve Hook, brought up this headline. The House January 6th committee deleted more than 100 encrypted files just days before Republicans gained the majority. And I just have to ask our next guest's opinion about this. He's a GOP political strategist and insider and the host of the Grassroots Truthcast podcast, Gene Valentino, joining us once again here at State of the Nation. Gene, how egregious is this? I mean, as I said, we already talked about this, but I really want to get your take on this. I mean... This, this is sort of one of the big wins of 2022. One of the only small wins we got in the midterm elections was the House. Yet, as soon as that happens, uh, House, House committee members go in and delete and then encrypt deleted files that could have exculpatory evidence or evidence that should be transparent to Americans with regards to J6. What do you th- how egregious is this in your mind? Well, if America doesn't see it now, they never will. Uh, it's not, it is a two-party system, but it is also two tiers of justice. And if you don't see it, uh, I have no, I mean, we get what we deserve. Now, uh, just a few weeks ago, we were watching Hunter Biden um, snub uh, the House Ethics Committee on the subpoenas they were seeking to have him come in and talk legitimately uh, in a forum to gather information in the due process process, and he snubs them. It's not even a matter of whether the House of Ethics Committee or any of the committees are doing things behind closed doors or encrypted. They just just don't even uh, respect the due process system. So how, how do I, what do I think about it? Oh, my words, Brian. It's um, it, 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 there's got to be a constitutional amendment that gets beyond the parties to take down this bad behavior. I jokingly, tongue in cheek, said last time we spoke, we need to write a book someday and called called um, the art of bad behavior. We need to sit down together and write that book and and just lay it out. Two columns. Here's what the Democrats did. Here's what the Republicans did in the same committee. And Jamie Raskin acts like there's a huge, egregious um, dislocation of democracy from the due process system because they are mistreating poor little Hunter and that they turn their backs on what they did uh, in, um, in the committee just a few months earlier. This is... This is beyond the pale. Uh, uh, I, I don't know where to start. Brian, And while that's going on, you got the Supreme Court no, um, saying it's okay for the federal government to remove the Texas razor wire. wire. Yeah. You've got 
I mean, where do you want to start? You've got um, states beginning to come together to try to form alliances because the federal government isn't protecting the border. And we got bad behavior by the very elected. Here's the bottom line. Just vote straight Republican. I don't care if the guy's good or bad. It's clear that this 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 cabal on the Democrat side's not working. Just give him a shot. Let the system fix itself. Even look what we're doing as Republicans. We stood up whether we liked it or not and ousted Kevin McCarthy. Do you see anybody doing that to oust Nancy Pelosi when she was speaker? Hell no. They jumped in line like a bunch of robotic uh, uh, Stockholm syndrome beaten children. <laughs> well, Gene, it's good to see you again, man. Um, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. You guys get no, me going. No. I don't know what it is with you. I know. Hey, listen, we love it. I, I just want to say you were just talking about the, the Supreme Court decision. Just, this ruling just came down. I mean, just an hour ago. Yeah, uh, it, it was. A, it was it was a five four decision. It should shock absolutely nobody that it was Chief Justice Roberts that sided with the minority on this um, because he wants to invite it, be invited to all the cocktail parties inside the Beltway. So he always seems to. Yeah, you never tell what he's going to do. But now we know. I suspect right. that it, at, at the end of the day, while this ruling went against Texas, it may actually backfire. It could turn into a boomerang situation because I, can you see the images of uh, the uh, Border Patrol cutting those wires, uh, and cutting those yeah. lines rather? And and that's going to play horribly uh, to, uh, yeah. uh, to for Biden. It's, it's not going to play well. So while it's a win... Uh, it may be kind of a you know a, a, a backhanded win at best. Um, what do you think about about that? Because it seems to me that I, 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 I everybody is. We saw in Ohio, in Iowa, rather how important the border is, even to Iowans. And now all of a sudden, the Supreme Court gives the win to Biden. And now what? He's going to go remove all this wire, these these uh, this rate this concertina wire. I can't imagine that, that doing concertina wire. Yeah. yeah. Steve, what do you think about the poor employee with the border patrol or whoever the, the the national employee was that had to get up there, took an oath of office to defend this nation? And here he is saying, he says, what am I going to do? My boss just told me to take this wire down. And I don't think we should. This is this is one small measure to protect our border. And um it goes against my better judgment. What do you think that poor soul's thinking right now? And I tell you what, here's what's clear. When there's a dispute over the protection of the border and the federal government isn't doing its job, it is clear in the Constitution that the states have the right to do it. I just don't understand why the Supreme Court thinks that taking down the wire is somehow in the greater good of protecting this nation. Would someone yeah. answer that question? I, I don't understand that. Here's what I understand. Elections have consequences. And I go. am at, before I'm saying, go vote, use your good judgment, pick the best guy, vote straight Republican for crying out loud, because I can't see anything the Democrats are doing that is making sense, period. Up and down the line, all over the place. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. Well, listen, we're going to take a headline here, but I can only echo that sentiment. Whenever, whenever, whenever I hear somebody say, oh, geez, I don't care. They're all the same. I'm not going to like, No, they're not all the same. They may have some peculiarities where they kind of, they agree on certain things, 
but by God, they are not all the same. Our guest is Gene, uh, Gene Valentino. He'll join us on the other side. Gene, hang in there. We're going to take a quick break for headlines on today's News Talk TNT. Here's a little news flash. TNT Radio News. For TNT, this is James O'Neill. The Russian Foreign Ministry has strongly condemned the shelling of Donetsk, a Russian city, by Ukrainian forces on Sunday, which resulted in at least 25 civilian deaths and 20 injuries. Residents of Queensland are preparing for the possibility of a Category 3 cyclone, anticipated to hit the coast soon after the area recently experienced severe weather conditions. University of Michigan computer science and engineering professor J. Alex Haldeman demonstrated the ability to breach the security of a Dominion voting machine. The common housefly caught in the clutches of the spider's web. Every move it makes just makes matters worse. Then, dinner time. Feast on the captivating stories, videos, and helpful information on our website. Whoa. Dinner's ready. Oh, man. Escape is futile. Just one more video. Get stuck in our web. TNT Radio. Live. Okay, you're back with State of the Nation, and we're back with Gene Valentino, our guest. Well, Gene, yesterday, some kind of some shockwaves here, really, with uh, DeSantis bagging out all of a sudden. I mean, we kind of knew it was coming. It was uh, The writing yeah. has been on the wall for a while now. But Ron DeSantis decides to get out before the New Hampshire primaries, which, of course, yeah. are scheduled tomorrow. Uh, is uh, I'll ask you what I what, what I asked our, our last guest. Is tonight the last night? of the Nikki Haley campaign or does it, does she continue? Uh, the answer is yes. I think the polls are going to wrap up between 65 to 35 in favor of Trump. Well, what I'm really surprised with, which makes me very happy is the humility, humility and decency. Donald Trump showed in the conversation he had with Ron DeSantis. And then listening to Ron talk about acquiescing and acknowledging he had no clear path for a win <clears throat> for a win impresses the heck out of me because Ron DeSantis is my governor and I know how how well he did in Florida. And between you and me, I wasn't sure I wanted to lose him in Florida. He's doing too good a job. <laughs> so, so having said that, uh, I'm happy that he uh, that he uh, uh, took the high road, and I'm happier that Donald Trump did as well, and even made some nice some um, comments about uh, Mrs. DeSantis as well, First Lady. Uh, I will say this: that uh, I don't like New Hampshire's uh primary system we've got to be careful with the word independent the independent word is really a party or an affiliation the word that we have to use is undeclared and in the new hampshire law the undeclared uh people in the secretary of state so a supervisor of elections offices uh, that person is undeclared. He's technically not independent. If he's an independent, he's part of an independent party. So 40% of New Hampshire is on the roster as independent. It's not a party per se. It's just a category. And the law allows them to, to, to uh, vote in uh, this election which I think 
is unfair and kind of is at cross purposes with the way we look our, at our uh, democratic process. Uh, you know, if if you want to be in a primary, be in the primary of a Republican, be in the primary of a Democrat, a Libertarian, or anything else for that matter. But don't. But to to morph the law to allow that independent that <laughs> I did it that. Uh, that um, undeclared person to participate in a party affiliation primary, I think disturbs the vote. Now, if Nikki Haley thinks she's going to get ground because of that, therein lies the problem for Nikki Haley, which has been feeding a lot of the pundits and the stories you're seeing in the press. Oh, she's got the Democrats jumping. But no, if you, if you were a Democrat, you had to be, not a Democrat last October 6th, to, and you had to register in New Hampshire as an independent. Otherwise, you can't be a Democrat and vote for Nikki Haley in this election. However, in Florida, to confuse matters, they have what's called a local open primary system. And in that primary system, uh, if there's no Democrat running on the Democrat side, then those Democrats can vote in the Republican primary, and that race becomes the final race. So this is consistent with what I've uh, talked to Brian and you about, Steve, about a constitutional amendment to streamline the voting process, not only in terms of number of days you're voting and where we're voting and how we're voting, but also who's voting. And, um, and and that person has to be registered to a party. The two-party system works, and we have to give credence to that. It's worked for a long time. I get very nervous when I see these Davos-type intellectuals think they're going to uh, stir the pot with some new creativity uh, like they've been doing that has failed worldwide. Yeah, uh, yeah utter failure worldwide uh, people are really starting to get it you know I, i'm interested in what you're saying here we've got about a minute left so I'll, I'll try to be brief and hopefully you can too but um this idea of uh just taking the r all the way down the ballot i feel like you know we talk a lot about well you know republicans need to use the same tactics as democrats and a lot of times that's the most simple one that one right there that you laid out is the most simple one. Otherwise, you get into mudslinging, uh, weaponizing government, character assassination, all these sort of That's things right. that really turn off a lot of Americans, not, not just GOP Americans. I'm talking center-right, center-left, libertarian, independent, and DGAF voters. Those, right. those people, in my estimation, you know, sandwich-eating Americans, as I like to call it, Never mind if there's Beyond Burger meat in there or not. We'll save that. Probably not, though, in this crowd. Um, but if if that whole group of people were to realize, wait a minute, when they say we hate Trump, he, they're actually saying we hate the the foundation of America and we hate what people that vote their values will do. Will will do. So how important is it to mark that R all the way down with that in consideration? Not at all. Uh, it, that's why we have a ballot. Um, I, I think everybody has to be judged individually at a certain point. I think that too many cooks in the kitchen spoil the, 
spoil the soup or spoil the broth. In this case, uh, democracy is a stress, a, a tug, a push and a tug. It's uh, it's a push and a pull. It's it requires deliberation and uh, not uh, and uh, working through the issues. So, who gets it completely their way in a democratic? constitutional republic like ours. No one does. It's the art of compromise. And that's what happens when we boil it down to two people in two major primaries. Now, by the way, the Democrats don't think that way, do they? They blew off New Hampshire completely and said, screw it. We're not even going to participate in New Hampshire. That may be a blessing for Joe Biden because we know how bad he would have done. But, but you know, the problem is, is that that two-party system has a primary process to it, not to be confused with the caucuses. We had the Iowa caucus. And by the way, before the South Carolina caucus coming up, we had Trump shooting out to Nevada caucuses. Let's see how Nevada's caucus uh, uh, preempts or sets the stage for the South Carolina primary soon after. Yeah. Yeah. Gene Valentino is always my friend. We appreciate your, uh, your wisdom and your sage, uh, your sage words, man. Uh, you can check out Gene on his, on his podcast, or in this case is truth cast, uh, grassroots truth cast with Gene Valentino. You can find that on all the great streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple, etc. Uh, Gene, I would just, there he goes, uh, captain America. I would just right. say I would just I would just say Gene that uh there are some that are saying that Nikki should hang in there because she represents the other wing of the uh, of the Republican deal. I, I just think that's bad advice. I think that whoever I think that DeSantis is setting himself up much better for 2028 by saying I'm going to support our nominee and it's obviously going to be Donald Trump. And hopefully three uh, out of Nikki four. That's right, Steve. Three out of four DeSantis people have gone to Trump. What does that tell you? Exactly. Well, Gene, thank you. Uh, as always, my friend, we look forward to chatting with you again. And uh, you have a wonderful day. Thanks for joining us on State of the Nation, my friend. Always a pleasure. Thanks, guys. Okay. There he goes, Gene Valentino. You are watching and listening to State of the Nation. And we'll be right back on today's News Talk TNT. As a combat wounded veteran, I know how hard it is to come home and build a meaningful life. When I was in Iraq, our vehicle was hit. A rocket propelled grenade exploded right under my seat. Traumatic brain injury, a fractured pelvis, severe burns. They didn't think I was gonna make it. I had to learn to walk again and live with the scars, both visible and invisible. DAV helps veterans like LaToya get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year in life-changing ways. With DAV on my side, I was able to pursue my dreams. If my story can touch a heart, it can change a life. My victory is overcoming my wounds so I can help other veterans. LaToya Lucas, may your victories inspire many more. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. While serving in Afghanistan, I was hit by sniper fire. The fighting was so intense, the medevac chopper was barely able to land. In the hospital, I was given a 5% chance to live. It's a good thing math wasn't my best subject. Today, I visit classrooms and share my story. I talk to kids about dealing with life's struggles. I tell them, with a little help and a lot of work, that you can overcome any challenge. DAV helps veterans like Adam 
get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year in life-changing ways. I know that some struggles are big and some are small, but they're all struggles, and you have to learn to get through them. With support from DAV, more veterans like me can live their best life. And as a new father, I have one more reason to keep on keeping on. My victory is being there for the next generation. Adam Alexander, may your victories inspire many more. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. This is State of the Nation on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Okay, welcome back to State of the Nation on today's News Talk. We're very happy to welcome our next guest to the program. First time on the show, uh, and uh, we're thrilled to have him, Mike Barry. Mike is the Vice President of External Affairs, Director of Military Affairs, and Senior Counsel over at First Liberty Institute. And we welcome you to the show. Mike, how are you today? Good to see you. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, we're thrilled to have you on. I want to run something by you that uh, that uh, Brian and I were talking about. It's it, it's more than a little bit disturbing as far as I'm concerned. Perhaps you've heard about this. The White House has banned Easter eggs with any religious messages. Uh, here's the way here's the way it plays out. Children of National Guard families across the United States are encouraged to submit artwork inspired by the theme celebrating our military families. The submission guidelines strictly prohibit any religious symbols or themes. And this, of course, is <laughs> this goes to the Easter egg dying contest, I guess they're doing. So uh, usually around Christmas time, you see people driving around with the with the bumper sticker, keep Christ in Christmas. I assume at the White House, it's get Christ out of everything, especially regarding Easter. You know, uh, how absurd is this? And why are they why are they pushing so hard uh, in uh exercising any talk of religion during an Easter egg contest of all things. Well, this is straight out of the, you can't make this up file because you know, the, the Biden administration for years now has been one of the most hostile to religious freedom in this country. You know, we at first Liberty Institute, we're a religious Liberty law firm. This is what we do. And, and we've had to go into court repeatedly all the way to the U S Supreme court uh, against the Biden administration because of their hostility to religious freedom. And it's not just limited to Christianity. It's really Americans of all faiths, but we do see it probably predominantly uh, against Christians. And, you know, it's an Easter egg. You know, one of the most cherished traditions in the springtime in Washington, D.C. is the annual White House uh, Easter egg roll. And if you're going to take Easter out of an Easter egg roll, all you're left with, in my opinion, is, you know, Chinese finger food, right? All you have left is the egg roll instead of the Easter egg roll. And so, <laughs> you know, to tell kids, again, it's supposed this year's theme, they do an annual theme. This year's theme is supposed to be military kids and military families. What a slap in the face to those who put their lives on the line to defend our freedom, uh, to defend our nation and to tell their kids, hey, you can we want you to submit your artwork for decorating Easter eggs, but we don't want you to actually put any artwork that celebrates the reason for Easter. You know, I think what people across the country and especially our military and veteran families should do is tell their kids and their grandkids, you know, hey, send in your artwork, make sure it has religious imagery on it, make sure it has a cross or a Jesus loves you, or, you know, he is risen. And I want to see the White House, I dare them to reject and turn away tens of thousands of, of Easter egg designs just because it has a cross on it. 
Yeah, I like that idea. That's that's a really good idea right there. Sometimes an overwhelming show of support for what the government is trying to suppress is exactly what we need. And I got to tell you, Mike, this is not a surprise to me coming out of this White House. Let's not forget, this is the same White House that hosted a rainbow flag flanked uh, event full of topless women who had their breasts removed and their shirts off and then vice versa. It was a, a rogues gallery of strange sexual IDs that was publicized there. And it's also, if I may, speaking of holidays in the White House, the same White House that never put a stocking up for one of their own granddaughters, one of Hunter Biden's children, uh, which has its own whole salacious story to go with it. And now they just, they got backlash for that. And now they just don't put stockings up anymore. I mean, what do you think that the the overall message is here? Is this just a, a hardline secular sort of new White House that they're trying to um, project, you know, something that maybe uh, the Barack Obama administration sort of started, you know, sculpting? You took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say this is really nothing new. We we saw the very beginnings of this during the Obama administration. And, it, you know, it, it's just now uh, it was merely delayed, right, by four years during the Trump administration. And now they've picked up right where they left off and they've only accelerated it. The attacks on religious freedom in this country are only getting more intense and more frequent. And as I mentioned, at First Liberty Institute, uh, we defend religious freedom for all Americans. We do it in our courts of law. We do it in the court of public opinion. And, you know, look, one of the areas where uh, we are probably known as the tip of the spear is, is defending our service members, our military and our veterans and their religious freedom. And this year's theme happens to be celebrating military families. And I know from personal experience of being a veteran myself and working with so many of our service members and our veterans, they consider this a slap in the face to the very freedoms that they are willing to put their lives down to protect. And then now to say that that people in our military and our veterans, that uh, they want you to to show your support for the White House, but they want you to keep high, you know, check your faith at the door. That's outrageous and it's unconstitutional. Yeah. And, and it's not only outrageous and unconstitutional, but it's aimed at the kids. I mean, just when I think that this administration can get more blatantly evil, and I don't use that word lightly, uh, I, I really do believe there's some evilness going on here. Uh, we, we've got to we've got to remove God and certainly Jesus Christ from the uh, uh, fr from the vernacular here. Whenever whenever the White House is concerned, I think that I think at the end of the day, this is going to be a huge backlash uh, story. Uh, for the White House. I don't know how they could possibly defend this. And again, they're aiming this at the children of these military families. Uh, it it disgusts me. I mean, I, I don't really know what more to say other than it just absolutely turns my stomach that they're doing this. To what end, Mike, are they doing this? For what? For what is their goal, do you suspect? I mean, that, that's that's a great question. I don't see what they possibly stand to gain from doing this. It's certainly they can't make any argument that this is what the law requires. You know, the Supreme Court has now repeatedly said that the Constitution does not require us to scrub religion from the public spaces. So they don't have any legal leg to stand on. I certainly can't see this being a PR stunt. Uh, no pun intended, but I only see this ending up with egg on the president's face. 
So uh, I think at the end of the day, this is just ideology. This is a purely a demonstration of just how hostile they are to religion and to religious freedom. And and really, people say, well, what can we do? Well, it's up to us as everyday Americans, as as patriotic citizens to continue to stand up for what is good and what is right in this country, what our country was built upon. And that's why I said at the very beginning, I think it would be great to see kids, uh, not just military kids, but but any kids, submit your artwork, submit your Easter egg designs, and make sure it has some type of uplifting, encouraging, motivational, religious, you know, whether it's a Bible verse or something else, even something as simple as Jesus loves you, I want to see the White House say, no, we can't accept that because it has it violates our rules. Uh, I think that that's just going to backfire on them. Um, and, and I, you know, look, I know we're heading into the middle of primary season and we're coming up on the in the presidential election. Uh, I think this is a terrible, terrible move for an administration that's already taking on water very quickly and sinking. Yeah, I agree with you, Mike. It feels like we're overdosing on gaslighting. It's just like we're gaslit over and over and over again, you know, and we can go back pretty far on that, but I'll just, you know, keep it in a a somewhat narrow time perspective and look at when Donald Trump became elected president. It's like we got gaslit with Russia, Russia, Russia. We got gaslit with uh, Hunter Biden laptop, gaslit with impeachments, just all this gaslighting that all equals orange man bad. But and and but this one, this really gets me. Um, they tell us that we're spending all this money, right? We've given over $100 billion to Ukraine to defend democracy in this place. While at home, they're wrecking our democratic bedrock via so many avenues and, and, and vectors. It's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, we've got the social media feedback loops gaslighting us. We've got the mass media cartel loops gaslighting us. And and here we are. They're telling us, yeah, we'd spend a hundred billion dollars on uh, on Ukraine. They don't want to tell us that six hundred thousand plus Ukrainian soldiers are now dead in in graves. Um, but we're defending democracy. And then we look at the way that government works. Well, um, an American journalist, Gonzalo Lira, was uh, extorted, tortured, and and died under strange, um, you know, uh, conditions by the SBU. That's a journalist. That's another First Amendment sort of issue that that they're telling us that they're not telling us about. And I guess just don't want people to notice. I mean, have you ever seen national and international gaslighting like this? I mean, you've been around, you've seen some stuff, but are we at a, a new level here? Well, I think it's a one way ratchet, right? It just continues to get ratcheted uh, more intense and it doesn't seem like there's any way to go back to the quote unquote good old days. America has a lot of adversaries and threats around the globe, but I think that what we what we really miss out on sometime is the very threats that are in our own backyard. Uh, we have to make sure we get our own constitutional house in order here domestically. If we can't protect ourselves and our own freedoms, uh, the freedoms that matter most to us, uh, religious freedom and and Second Amendment and the right to life and, and, and on down the list, then how can we possibly expect other countries around the world to show us any respect at all when all they have to do is point to our own American citizens and say, your own government is trampling over your own constitution and 
you've done very little about it. So that's why at First Liberty Institute, we're so passionate about defending religious freedom and defending the Constitution, because, you know, we know we, we have people from former third world or, or former Iron Curtain, excuse me, countries uh, that'll tell us that they may not even be a particularly religious person, but they absolutely believe in the principles of religious freedom because in the places where they came from, former communist Soviet bloc countries, religious freedom was always the first freedom that fell because those governments, those are despotic, tyrannic regimes knew if you can take away religious freedom, all the other freedoms can be taken away shortly thereafter. And so I think we do need to get our own constitutional house in order here, uh, as well as making sure that the threats around the globe are kept in check. Well, Mike, I would I would only echo what Hesh just said there, and I would say that First Liberty Institute has a target-rich environment to pursue some kind of litigation here. I mean, here we have the FBI uh, sending out letters saying that parents might be terrorists in disguise. Uh, we have them surveilling uh, uh, religious Catholics uh, as a threat to society. Now we have them excising any uh, religious imagery from Easter egg rolls. Uh, that, to me, is just so outrageous. Uh, and yet the wheels on the bus keep turning, don't they? They keep going towards where, and, and I think Hesh's point is, is is perfectly made. Here we are spending all this money to prop up, quote unquote, democracy, while in our own backyard, democracy and a representative republic is under not only just a, a, a continuous attack, but a ramped up attack all the time. Yeah, I mean, uh, look, recently I, I testified before the House from on this, uh, you know, so-called extremism in our military. Uh, I say so-called because today, uh, there's been no evidence uh, that extremism is is really the systemic problem in our military that the Biden administration claims it is and has thrown millions of dollars at trying to solve uh, a problem. But in my testimony that didn't get any coverage at all from the legacy media, uh, I revealed that uh, the real threat inside of our military, the real extremist is actually the, the Pentagon itself, the Department of Defense, which is uh, issuing training manuals. I mean, we, we produced copies of training manuals that are published by our United States claiming that an ex as examples of stream extremist ideology would be the colonists who sought to see themselves from British rule. Uh, and again, you can't make this up. They 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 cited that instead of dressing in white sheets, and we all know what they're referring to, they say nowadays extremists will talk about individual liberties, states' rights, and how to make the world a better place. And I look oh, at my boy. fellow veterans and I say, isn't that why we joined the military, right? To yeah. to protect individual liberties and how to make the world a better place. And that our Mike, I hate so to you cut you off, but, but yeah, there there's our there's our cutoff music. Mike Berry, thank you for joining us. We hope we can get you back. FirstLibertyInstitute.org. Go check out Mike and all the good work that they're doing at First Liberty Institute. Thanks for joining us today. This has been State of the Nation on today's News Talk, TNT.